The following program is sponsored by Fairly Spiritual on KCIS. Well, hello, everyone. It's Dr. Doug Birch, and this is the Fairly Spiritual Show. No, don't don't turn away. Just stay with me. You're going to have a great time today. Or maybe you won't, because I'm going to talk about in today's show why Christians don't have more transformation stories. We have salvation stories, but it seems a lot of us just lock in our lives and don't really change. Why are there not more parenting transformation stories or marriage transformation stories or individual transformation stories? We'll look at the power of transformation and what is needed to obtain it on today's show. So glad you could join us. This is Dr. Doug Birch, and you are listening to the Fairly Spiritual Show. That means we promise to be fairly spiritual. I think that's something that I can fulfill. That's a promise I can fulfill. So uh, today's show is going to be a little different. Uh, sometimes I'll go through some scripture and do something that's kind of like a sermon, but today. Uh, we're just going to do some assessment. I'm going to talk to you about some things that I've been thinking about and uh, how I'm honestly trying to look at my life, and maybe you can look at your life as well. Uh, I want to talk about the issue of transformation. As a pastor, I've pastored for uh, 22 years. One of the things that I lament, and I think lament is the best word for it, is the lack of transformation in the lives of people. How people seem to just, or many people, not all people, I have wonderful stories of people turning their lives around, but I've found, you know, you minister with people for a while, that uh, some people just don't really grow that much. Their lives don't really transform that much. And uh, just to give you an example of what I'm talking about, by the way, if uh, you want to respond to this show or know more about this show or anything Fairly Spiritual, just go to fairlyspiritual.org and you can find out more information. That's fairlyspiritual.org. Uh, but here's an example of transformation. Someone comes to your church early on in their life and you realize uh, they're not the best husband. You're not trying to be judgmental. You meet them where they're at. You have grace and love, but you realize this person's kind of uh, egotistical, is unwilling to apologize. You'll just hear how they talk about their spouse, or you see in church that they never ask for prayer. They never seem to talk about areas they're growing in. I know never is a strong word, but it feels like that. And so you think, well, you know, we accept people as they are. What do you say? Come as you are. You're supposed to meet people where they're at. You love them, and you do love them. But one of the things that I've noticed is some people don't grow. They don't transform. And you could blame the church, and certainly I'm looking at my own life. Should I have done something different or better? But I can preach really strong messages about how I think transformation occurs or how we're supposed to treat our loved ones or spouse or kids, uh, just you know how we're not supposed to be jerks. And yet that doesn't really uh, transform the individual. And I, and I know this to be true, that, that sermons aren't going to transform an individual because there's something that has to occur for transformation to occur. 
is that the individual at some level must recognize there's a problem and they must truly repent and turn from their wicked ways and actually find help from others. There, there needs to be something where people pray for you, where you, you come before someone, it doesn't have to be the pastor, but someone and you say, you know what, I'm doing this wrong. I, I look at the fruit of my life and, and it's not good. I, I need to turn from that. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not the husband I should be. I'm not uh, the parent I should be. And you come to this place of dependency where you realize I need Jesus. And you open yourself up to say, I want people to pray for me. I want some people to give me advice if there's a better way. I realize what I'm doing is not working. Sadly, you don't see that nearly as much, or at least I have not seen it nearly as much as I thought I would see it. Instead, people just kind of stay the same. They, they dig in. They dig into their troubling behaviors. They justify uh, the problems in their lives. You know, Jesus said very clearly that as Christians, not just as Christians, I think he said this for all humans, but we should not be spending our time focusing in on the speck in other people's eyes when there's a plank in our own eye, which means the trajectory of living, the trajectory of sanctification, is we focus in on what is going on with our own lives. Sadly, that is not the focus of many people. One of the things that troubles me about very political people, and I I don't think there's anything wrong with being political. There's one thing about being partisan and angry and divisive, but we all have political opinions. To be an American citizen, uh, we're going to have a political opinion. We should. We we should vote and exercise our right to vote and pick the right candidates and tell why we think other candidates are wrong. And that's part of our democracy. There's nothing wrong with being political. But what I'm talking about is I've noticed some people who are just passionately partisan uh, on social media, and, and this is a context of, I'm not talking about our church as much as I'm just talking about the church. Uh, so this isn't me preaching some sermon about some person in our church I'm annoyed with. Uh, right now I'm at peace with people. I don't, I don't know what they're doing. I hope they're doing uh, good stuff on social media. I don't really know. But I've seen this with some people on social media, that they every day, post some sort of extreme, angry, partisan thing. And maybe if it's not even extreme or angry, it's just you know that that's what they're about. Everything is about what's wrong with the left or you know, what conspiracy is out there or what. Again, even as I say conspiracy words, uh, let's just say that everything they post is right. I, I don't think it is. I, I don't think I've met anyone like that who everything they post is right. But everything is about the political battle, about our rights, about our needs, and what what the governor's doing, what the president's doing, and it's just a very political reality. And if you talk with them, they're like that as well. If you see them at Starbucks with a bunch of people, there's that table, I mean, during COVID we don't see that, but there's that table where (laughs) you see a bunch of old men sitting around, and they're talking about politics, or they're talking about what they're upset about in the world. Now, all these things could be appropriate discussion material, but one of the things I know to be true is that some of the people who are giving all their energy towards these political realities are giving hardly any energy to the transformation of their own homes. 
they've spent far more time investing time in the political process than they have in dealing with what's really wrong in their marriage, the brokenness in their marriage. They've learned more about uh, uh, what the candidate believes or doesn't believe or what conspiracy theory is going on than they have with what their spouse needs. They've invested more time in reading material about political realities than they have of reading a book that maybe would help them grow in their ability to listen and to communicate. And you see this kind of spirit, the spirit of where people just don't invest in their own lives expressed uh, then through the family. I've seen people where their families are in chaos. Their kids hate them. They have no relationship with their kids. And instead of giving their best energy to what can I do to truly transform that dynamic in our home, they're spending their time complaining about what the governor's doing. Now, maybe the governor should be complained about, but there's something powerfully incongruous that the, the best energy someone is giving is to things outside their home when things in their home or in their family, they're just, well, that's just how it is, or I don't have time for that, or I'm just going to accept that reality. Ultimately, I, I have more influence uh, with my wife and my kids than I do with this political process. I mean, I have some influence, and I should, again, exercise your political rights, but I would think every human would first use their best energy for the people entrusted to your care. And that's the question I have for people is, what are you using your best energy for? Now, I'm using politics, but it could be anything. I've seen people do this with sports, that they give more energy to their sports teams than, again, to the people entrusted to their care. I've seen men do this, that they uh, learn proper lawn care, and they have these immaculate lawns. They're just beautiful. Just You don't, you don't want to step on the lawn for fear of making one grass blade move in the wrong direction. They become experts in how to care for their lawns. They have whole programs of this is when you do the weed and feed, and this is when you mow, and this is when you mulch. And by the way, I don't know how to do lawn care well, so I'm just saying things hypothetically that I think are true. But they know so many things about their lawn. And yet, if you saw them 20 years ago and you saw them today, they're not any better at communicating with their spouse. They're not any healthier in communicating with their kids. In fact, it's more distant. People are just like, well, you know how dad is. Dad just doesn't know how to show love. Or you just, you know how he is in marriage. He just kind of grumbles at mom, but I know they love each other. And we just accept that as normal. It's not normal. It's terrible. And it's something we should mourn because ultimately the best, you know, the, our best energy and our best efforts should go to those who are entrusted to our care. And yet, sadly, we don't give our best efforts. That, that's one of the things with the world we live in is we have so much information coming to us. We have so many trending topics. We can learn about what a celebrity is doing or what a politician is doing or a, a sports star or a crisis that's occurring in another state or even in Washington. You can live outside of Seattle and just spend all your time focusing in on what's going on in Seattle. And we, and we should be aware of what's going on. But shouldn't we most be aware of what's happening in our own homes? And you might say, well, the kids have grown up and they're outside the house now and they don't want to have anything to do with me. Well, that's a problem. And why not spend the rest of your life 
trying to reconcile with the people who've been entrusted to your care than focusing in on trending topics that you can do not really anything but maybe tweet something or post something on Facebook or forward it to a bunch of people's email or, you know, Facebook direct message inboxes. Now, I know this might seem harsh, but I, I don't like preaching for the sake of, oh, that was a good message. And I, I actually don't think Christians need more sermons. Sadly, uh, we're, we're full of sermons. We are full of messages. Uh, the American church, we've have we've got more versions of the Bible. We've got more access to scripture. We have more sermons. We can find, you know, we can just Google any topic and find a pastor preaching about it. I don't think what the church needs is more sermons or more books. I got a book coming out in November, but I I don't think that more books and more sermons are really the issue. The issue is obedience, and the issue is our willingness to say, I'm just going to focus in on the plank in my own eye. Well, well how do you do that? Uh, the gospel is rooted in the love of God, and it's rooted in grace, in that salvation is a grace gift. And if we truly understand grace, then we're truly going to deal with the garbage in our lives. What is grace? You know, Grace is unmerited favor, sure, but grace is more than that. Grace is just that God did not look at any of our works, any of the things we've done, and said, well, depending upon what you did, I'm going to rescue you. No, God just said, I love you. I'm going to save you. I'm going to die for your sins. It's a grace gift. And that's how we receive salvation. Just, Jesus, you did it all. You're my worth. You're my value. Uh, I didn't deserve this, but you just gave this to me because you love me. I receive salvation as a grace gift. It's not that I'm more worthy of it or deserving than someone else. It's not that I just do a little better job. It's grace. Now, we are saved into relationship with God through grace. But we're not just saved through grace. We are transformed through grace. And this is what I mean by that. I want you to think of grace this way. Think of yourself as in the center of a circle, just in the center of a circle. And take that circle and begin to expand the circle out. So you're still in the center of the circle, but the circle gets bigger. You know, It goes through the room. It's as big as your house. It's uh, Maybe the circle is as big as Washington State. It's as big as the earth, right? I think the earth is round. I believe in that, right? So it, it goes as big as that circle. And uh, let's just say the circle goes out, you know, millions of miles, billions of miles. Now put yourself at the center of that circle. Now I want you to think about that circle and, and put a name on it. This is what that circle is and everything within that circle. This circle is grace. Just see it as grace, God's grace. We are saved by grace. We are transformed by grace. It is a gift from God. And you are in the center of God's grace. And that's true. You're in the center of God's grace. You're not on the edge of God's grace like he's, well, I saved you through grace, but man, if you do something wrong, you're out of here. No, it's that you are in the center of God's grace so that no man or no woman can boast. It's just by faith you believe this and it's credited to you as righteousness. Now, when you see yourself at the center of God's grace, knowing that it's not just, well, I'm doing these works to keep myself in the kingdom of God. When you see yourself at the center of God's grace, then you're willing to say, search my heart, Lord. And if there's any wicked way in me, reveal it. Search how I, how I treat others. You know, I've been talking about marriage and kids, but any, how I treat myself, 
how I treat you, Lord, how I exist as a human being as I stand before you in the center of your grace and the center of this universe. Search me. Show me. Is there any wicked thing that I've adopted in my perception of myself and others? Is there anything you want to transform? And if so, I yield to you and I'm willing to partner with you, Lord, and I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. When you believe you are in the center of God's grace, then you welcome God's sanctification, God's correction, God's what? Everything, whatever God has for you. But you don't just stay the same, justifying your sins, justifying your behaviors, justifying your actions. When we see ourselves at the center of God's grace, we begin to repent of daily sins. We begin to grow in our relationship with others. We don't justify these things. We allow Christ to sanctify us and to transform us more and more into the image of Christ. So how does this express itself? I was, I was thinking, there's just a few things, and this is for me. Like If you're like, Doug, you know what? I'm tired of you talking about me. I'm, I'm offended by what you're saying. Fine, I'm just speaking generally, so that's not true that I'm talking about you. But if, if this is bothering you, I'm, uh, you know, I'm going to focus in on something that might bother me. I've noticed this, that uh, guess who I have the least patience for sometimes? Guess who I am the most critical of sometimes, that I'm not willing to make sure uh, that I'm careful with the words I use and, and how I say things and how I express myself? Guess, guess who? The people closest to me. My wife, for instance. Sometimes my wife gets the worst version of me. You say, well, why is that, Doug? Well, one, you could say I'm a terrible person and I'm awful. And okay, you could say that. But I, I think one of the reasons my wife often gets the worst version of me is because I know we're together and married. And if I say something, she's not going to leave me. And if I'm rude to her, she's going to tolerate it and love me. If I say something rude to someone in our church, they leave the church. They, they never talk to me again. But if I say something rude to my wife, she'll just absorb that. I know this sounds terrible, and I, I, I want you to know that I'm not an abusive person, but the very fact that I just wouldn't be cautious with my words, that I'd be quick to, to give, you know, just quick to give a criticism, quick to complain, or maybe not even quick to complain or quick to give a criticism, but I'm not quick to show genuine love and care, to wake up in the morning and to say, what, what, what do you want me to do, Lord, to show kindness and gentleness and love to my spouse, to the one you've entrusted to my care, to the one who makes me one? I'm bringing this to you because I'd like you to think about that as well. Have you grown in a habit with those around you to not truly respect them and love them and cherish them the way you were meant to? Has familiarity led to an indifference? We do this with parents, too. And this works both ways. Kids do that with parents where they, they don't show appreciation and, and, and they don't show honor and they don't show respect. And 
we could even do this as adults. We, we've not showed honor and respect to our parents. We might, I might be 30, but have I shown, I'm not 30, by the way, I might be 48, but I still am supposed to show respect and honor to my parents, but maybe I've grown indifferent and just, well, they're always there and I can call on them whenever I need. And I'm truly not treating them like I would treat a cherished friendship, even though they are cherished to me. Kids can do that with their parents, and parents can do that with their kids, where you just you just expect, I, I, I just tell the kids what I want, like, you got to do this and do that, and pick up your room and take out the trash, and, and we speak in a way where we're not cautious, like thinking that our words matter, and we want to make sure that they know they're loved and uh, that we truly care for them. It's amazing how we will give that energy to strangers, to a stranger who's rude will try the best we can to speak in an appropriate way to them. But our own kids, right away, we're like, ah! Immediately snapping, or immediately judging, or immediately thinking we have the right to, to punish a child for the thing they did wrong when no one's punishing us for the things that we do wrong. Look at your life. Examine your life. Are, are, are you truly focusing in on the people entrusted to your care? Are you growing more gentle and kind and loving and gracious towards the people entrusted to your care? Can you say that of, of your friendships? Can you say that of your marriage? Can you say that of your children? Can you say that of yourself? Are you, are you growing in the sweetness of God? Are you growing in the love of God? Or are you just kind of suppressing all that and you're spending your time focusing in on external things? Why are people not growing? Aren't we supposed to grow? There's a, a, a musician called Mark Hurd. Um, he's no longer around. He died young or younger, I think he was in his 40s maybe. But he wrote a song that said, uh, you will weather well in a climate of love. Let me say that again. You will weather well in a climate of love. And, and that's the question I have for you is, right now for your life, is your life a climate of love? And are you weathering well? Are you, are you, could people say that of you? If you? Could you sit your family down and say, hey, how am I doing? Do you see me giving enough energy to the relationships in this family? Now, sadly, if you've actually created a culture in your family, they might be indifferent as well because they're not focusing on the family. But the reality is, are you weathering well in a climate of love? I think about, I don't know how many years you have left in your life, and I think I might just be talking to one person right now as far as this. I know it's more, but I think there's someone listening now where this might be the moment where you actually change. But I want you to look at your life. Uh, are you growing in your marriage or is it the same old, same old? Are you connected with your kids or your grandkids or is it the same old, same old? Where are you spending your time? If I were to look at your social media profiles, what are they about? Is it about what matters? Or is it about things that are external? What are you giving your best energy towards? From this place, there's no condemnation. You, my friend, 
are in the center of God's grace. So it's time to recognize that. And in the center of God's grace, it's best to start with this. Search my heart, Lord. If there be any wicked way in me, if there be any area in my life that you want to transform, let it begin now. Are you willing to grow? You may have five years left in life, 20 years left in life, you know, 40 years. What do you want for the next years? Don't you want people to say at your funeral, you know, Dad really grew later in life. He changed. He became kinder, more loving, more sweet, more understanding, more forgiving. Something happened, and he began to radically transform. You want that testimony to be the testimony at your funeral. You want people to be certain that you gave your best effort to the relationships entrusted to your care. Let's do that together. Hey, thanks for listening. This might have been hard for some of you, for some of you encouraging. Regardless, pray, and the Lord will show you next steps. All of us can grow in the character and the goodness of God. No condemnation, just freedom to be to allow Christ to sanctify us and to conform us to his image. All right? Sound good? Okay. Love you guys. Go to fairlyspiritual.org if you want more information. Fairlyspiritual.org. I love hearing from you. I love seeing you. Visit the website and checking out the resources. All right. Make room for the Lord. He knows you by name. I will see you next time. The preceding broadcast was sponsored by Fairly Spiritual. When you write or call this program, be sure to mention you heard it on KCIS.